Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Today, we're going to talk about the multifamily market. You know, multifamily has been the darling of commercial real estate. And it's interesting because there's a lot of opportunities in multifamily, you know, from the Class A core assets in the major markets to, to the small multifamily projects that uh, individuals can buy. And the multifamily market has really been doing well, and I think it's been surprising a lot of people. But there are some questions. What is the impact of new supply? On, on performance and is there still a good time to get in and build apartments and to invest in multifamily. Well, please welcome my first guest, Stephanie McCleskey. She is Vice President of Research with Axiometrics. Stephanie, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Michael. Thank you for inviting me to join the show again. I'm happy to be here. We appreciate it. You guys do a good job looking at the performance of the multifamily market around the country. And Stephanie, how did the market perform in the first quarter and uh, how did uh, 2014 wrap up? You know, I think the last time that we spoke with you was third quarter of 2014, and we were expecting the apartment market to begin to decelerate a little bit due to the amount of new supply that was delivering, but 2014 was certainly a pleasant surprise for everyone. It was one of the best years of the apartment market. Um, We haven't seen rent growth rates this high since 2011, and we're in the fifth year into the cycle of this apartment cycle. The previous cycle was 2004 to 2008, so it was a little bit shorter than where we're at right now. So 2014, we saw rent growth round up at about 4.7% on an annual basis for effective rent, and occupancy ended up at about 94.9%. 1Q15, we saw that that rent growth continued to increase. So annual rent growth was at 5%, and occupancy remained steady compared with um, the previous quarter. So really strong rent growth at a national level. Well, that's amazing. Does that growth surprise anyone? Absolutely. I think it it surprised pretty much the the majority of the industry. We were all expecting that because of the amount of new supply that was delivering that we'd see um, rent growth begin to slow down, and that's just not what we have been seeing. So definitely uh, good news for the owners and operators and maybe a little bit not so much for the uh, renters. Right. And occupancy at 94.9%. That's interesting because as a broker, that's what we always suggest. It's 95% occupancy. But historically, what kind of occupancy do you see in the apartment industry? Historically, long-term average, we're seeing somewhere around 93%. So we're definitely highly occupied, occupied excuse me, at a national level. Uh, we consider at Axiometrics that 95% occupancy is functionally full. So what we're seeing right now is all of this new delivery that's coming in, but there's really not a, a lot of existing supply for all of these renters to move into. So, uh, you know, with 95% occupancy, it really gives... Uh, landlords the pricing power to continue to push rents. Yeah, it really does. And so what do you expect moving forward and through the rest of 2015? Do you expect the continued growth of, of this percentage? Well, one thing I do know that is that it's hard to continue to increase rates at the rate that they've been going. Mm-hmm. So especially as more supply begins to deliver in 2015, we'll begin to see rent growth decelerate and come back more in balance with what's happening with demand. So by the end of 2015, we're going to see annual effective rent growth slow down to about 3.6%. Occupancy is going to drop to 94.6, still very high occupancy rate. Um, And then 2016, we're expecting to decelerate a little bit more, and then we're going to expect it to go back up. So 
keep in mind the long-term average for annual effective rent growth at a national level is somewhere around 2.2%. We're not expecting annual effective rent growth to drop below 2.2% at least throughout the next forecasted five years. Wow. So still really strong market for, um, for apartments. That's good news. I think all the apartment owners out there are doing the Snoopy dance right now. <laughs> Certainly. I, I bet they are. So, well, tell us about performance for the different classes of communities. Sure, absolutely. So uh, when we break down asset class, um, we're doing it on, based on the level of effective rent at each each property. So when we're looking at how asset classes, different asset classes are performing within a market, one thing that we're noticing is that it's more of the class B type properties that are the ones that are outperforming the rest of the market right now. Um, so we're seeing class B properties at 5.6 annual um, percent annual effective rent growth. And one of the reasons that we think that those class B properties are doing the best is those are the properties that are more in the suburban type areas. So if you think about where a lot of the new supply has delivered at a very close proximity to existing supply, it's going to be in the urban core areas or more of the class A type luxury product. So that's the asset class that we're seeing with the slowest rent growth at 4.3%. But again, keep in mind, 4.3% is a phenomenal annual rent growth rate. Yeah, that is. Well, Stephanie, talk to us about new construction, new supply levels. I think in some markets, some people are starting to get a little concerned. Uh, What do you guys see? Well, you know, at a national level, in 2014, we saw about 216,000 units deliver. And 2015, at a national level, we're expecting 283,000 units. So when we take a look at that number, it sounds like quite a bit. But if you compare that to what we've seen historically happen in the apartment market, it's just back to the normal levels that we've seen for multifamily permitting. So when you break it down by market, um, we're not necessarily concerned so much with overbuilding. There are some markets that may have pockets or areas that ha- that have or are expecting more new supply than the, what they've seen historically, typically those are going to be the urban core type markets or, or sub-markets, excuse me, so the, the downtown areas um, where there's been a lot of new supply that's already delivered or expecting to deliver in very close proximity at a very similar price point to the existing product that's already there. So those are the areas that there might be a little bit more concern in, but at a market level, um, not really, no. Okay. Well, that's good news. If I'm a lender or investor or developer today, if you're seeing above average rate growth, above average occupancy, but kind of the normal level of new construction, right? Absolutely. For sure. And what about the uh, urban versus suburban uh, new supply? Uh, What's the impact there? It seems like a lot of the land that we're selling is is very urban around the southeast for for new developments, but not so much uh, suburban. Right. And and so when you saw the first wave of new supply start to hit um, during this apartment cycle in 2012, the majority of those units that were delivering were delivering into the urban core type areas. Um, So now that we've seen the new deliveries start to spread out just a little bit more, but it really hasn't permeated the suburban submarkets yet. So like I'd mentioned earlier, the class B type properties, those are the ones that are really outperforming right now because a lot of it, and of course it depends on the market and what you're looking at, but there have been some markets where the submarkets, um, the urban core submarkets have delivered more than what they've seen historically. And it's causing the 
the submarket level rent growth or annual rent growth to slow down quite a bit compared to what's happening in the rest of the market. So we are seeing an impact on new uh, on existing product due to new supply in the urban core areas. That's interesting. We're talking with Stephanie McClexy with Axiometrics. And Stephanie, where do you see some opportunities for investors or developers today? So some of the things that, um, you know, it really depends on the strategy or what kind of return you're expecting. It's going to be different for several markets. It's going to be depending different depending on your whether you're an investor or a developer. We certainly see opportunity in the suburban submarkets right now, especially for development. Of course, that's pending what's happening with construction costs, what's happening with labor, um, what's happening with the employment levels for that particular market. Um, so there's a lot of factors that play into it. Um, but I, I definitely see a lot of opportunity just for the apartment industry as a whole. Uh, you know, I had mentioned earlier that we're forecasting out through the next five years that we're not going to see annual effective rent growth drop below the long-term average of 2.2%. So I think that is fantastic news for anybody that's wanting to invest or develop in the um, in the, the apartment industry so long as you, you do your due diligence and make sure that uh, where you're trying to pencil out a deal, deal makes sense. Right. Right. Good, good points. What are some of the factors, Stephanie, that impact the multifamily market? I mean, we have a recovering housing market. We still have low interest rates for, for home buyers. You know, we also have the job market uh, changing and improving. You know, what are the factors that you think will impact uh, apartment performance moving forward? Sure. You know, what really affected the apartment market this cycle more than anything was the lack of supply that we had for so long at the beginning part of the cycle. So we had very little supply, and then we had a bump up in employment, which um, we didn't have the supply to handle that amount of new demand. So as new supply continues to develop, we'll continue to see deceleration in the rate of rent growth on an annual basis. So really, I think it comes back to what's happening with supply and demand, how much new supply is being delivered, whether it's multifamily or single family, how many jobs are being added, um, because for each new job, that person is going to need a, new, a place to live. So uh, you really have to take into account the entire housing market, not just what's happening with multifamily. I think demographics also plays a, a pretty big role in what's happening with the apartment industry right now. You know, who's renting? Uh, you know, typically, the, the average renter age between 24 and uh, 34 years old, they're uh, either unwilling or unable to purchase a home right now. So I think that that really bodes well for the apartment market. It really does. Uh, And Stephanie, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being on. Stay tuned. We'll have more on the multifamily market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us today. We're talking about the multifamily sector. Please welcome my next guest. It's Brian Murray. Brian is founder and CEO of Washington Street Properties out of Watertown, New York. Brian, thanks for joining us on Skype today. Thanks, Michael. Glad to be here. Well, we appreciate it. And, you know, I think a lot of times on the uh, commercial real estate show, we talk about large projects and, and the, uh, the nation overall and Class A projects. But there's a lot of opportunities. We just heard from Stephanie in uh, Class B properties. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities in, in value add. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do there um, at Washington Street Properties. 
You know, we, we started our company back in 2007. Um, you know, we, we started with a 50,000 square foot office space. We are in a tertiary market. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's what you're sharing is really interesting. I do think there's a lot of opportunity in tertiary markets. And I actually think there's a lot of opportunity for small investors such as myself. And tell us about some of the positives and negatives of working in a smaller market area. Well, I think the first thing you'll find is that you can achieve some some pretty uh, fantastic returns relative to some of the, the larger metropolitan areas. So uh, cap rates are substantially higher. Uh, you've got less competition. And uh, particularly in a, in a market like we have today where you know, there's a large appetite for multifamily properties nationwide, and uh, it's harder to get some of those returns. But you can find them in markets, um, tertiary markets like Watertown, New York. We can go out there and find properties with 10 caps. We find a lot of opportunities for value add, and that's the niche we've made for ourselves. We've had a lot of success going out there, finding properties that maybe aren't managed particularly well or have some other upside potential, and jumping in there and turning things around. Right, and a 10 cap property there, what kind of property is that? Is that an older property with some challenges or is that a pretty nice uh, asset? Uh, you know, we're looking at probably a class C, class B property, um, needs some work. You know, a lot of the apartment complexes we've acquired, uh, you know, these were built in the 60s, 70s, uh, maybe some of them in the 80s. And uh, they're C-class C properties, and we, we step in and, and uh, raise them up to B-class properties. Okay. And what are some of the things that you're looking for when you're looking for a value-add project like that? Well, you know, we're looking for that upside. So uh, a lot of times it's, it's evident as, as soon as you uh, pull into the property. You know, you'll see uh, trash scattered around or just signs of lots of deferred maintenance um, Sounds like my see, house. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's some value add there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you'll, you'll notice that maybe things, you know, aren't being taken care of that well. Sometimes um, you'll see vacancies where you know there shouldn't be vacancies. You'll see rents that are either too high or too low for the local market conditions. Um, and a lot of times that's because you have an owner that's not a local owner. Uh, might in, in many cases, it might be a, an institutional investor that's located far away. And that's one of the advantages of being local, being a small investor, is you're right there on top of the market conditions. You can pull in personally and check that property out, keep your eye on what's, what's going on, and, and it really allows you to find those, those great opportunities for value add. Yeah, those are some very good points, Brian. And, you know, we see the same thing as we sell apartments, and sometimes you can go in and look at some of these smaller properties or uh, secondary markets, and you can see that, you know, they're not doing their leasing correctly, or it's hard to find out, well, how do you lease an apartment? Maybe they don't have a good online presence. So, yeah, I think apartments offer a great opportunity because, you know, once you get away from these Class A larger projects, uh, the management can be more difficult and harder to find professional management. What do you do as related to, to management on your projects? And, and do you recommend that investors in these type of projects are, are more hands-on in the management? Well, I think that's another aspect of, of these uh, tertiary markets that we're operating in is you don't have that uh, luxury necessarily of having some, some you know, first-class property management options right there. Um, I also think, particularly for the small investors, that they're well-served in, in getting in there and doing a lot of that themselves. And we took the route that we manage all of our own properties. Um, we try to set a really high standard. 
And frankly, when you're just getting started and you're in those first few properties, you know, it's, it's hard to find somebody that's going to take care of your property the way you would as an owner. And uh, when you've got a lot at stake like that, you know, I want to step in, set a really high standard, and I want to be the one driving by every day, stopping in, picking up the trash, making sure everything's handled the way, you know, we want it to be handled. And we've had a lot of success with that. So I think a lot of it's driven by your particular situation, what kind of options you have available in terms of property management, but it's a heck of a lot easier to find that good property manager and know how to manage the property manager once you've already been doing it yourself for some time. Yeah, those are very good points, Brian. And and uh, what else are some management tips that you would share with our listeners? Like, to, do you test your your leasing folks? Uh, you know, what what are some other management tips? Well, you know, I, I think we've got some um, philosophies that we try to follow. Um, for one, is we w- we want to constantly reinvest in our properties. So we do manage our properties to a pretty high level. Um, A lot of the success of Washington Street Properties has been based on a commitment to reinvesting back into the properties. For that reason, um, we haven't syndicated any deals. We try to structure um, structure our deals in a way that we can step in and and not have that have to pull that cash flow out right away. Keep reinvesting it back in address the finishes. We try to find properties with good bones, go in there as the units open up and turn, you know, we can put put the new finishes in there, spruce them up um, and really take care of them. And, and we try to do the right thing. I mean, we we're all, we're always want to, you know, help our tenants out, um, treat them as people. They're not just tenants, right? They're people. So um, overall, you know, we just try to set that high standard and, and, it, and it comes back and, you know, and, 10 times over in the long run if, if you just try to do everything the right way, try to treat your tenants the same way you'd want to be treated if you were living there. Okay. And you, we just heard from Stephanie that the, the market's doing extremely well. What about in a market uh, where you are in New York and those type of properties? What type of performance are you seeing on your assets right now? Well, you know, we, we can step in. It really depends on the, on the specific situation. You know, even in, a, even in a smaller market like ours, you'll find a, a pretty wide range. Um, we have not purchased uh, any properties with lower than a nine cap, and we've stuck by that. We prefer 10 cap and above. Um, certain situations, major turnaround situations, we purchased uh, property last year at a, at a oh, it's about, I guess, 16 months ago now. Um, at a foreclosure auction, we stepped in. Now that was in a that was in a really uh, rough situation there, um, but we 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 tackled it and turned it around. You know, we're we're seeing returns over over twenty percent on that property and actually above. Nice. Uh, nice. But we we bid off uh, we bid off a lot with that one. We had we had a lot of uh, it did basically take a fire hose to it and uh, clean it out. So yeah, that's good. Uh, What's a quick, big, short, quick, short tip for our listeners before you have to leave us? You know, I think uh, for those listeners who maybe are just getting started or thinking about commercial real estate, you know, I, I know you've got a lot of listeners that are well established in the industry, but uh, I just want to say, you know, there's not to be intimidated. You know, I think commercial real estate doesn't have to be any harder than you make it. There are some complex things out there if you choose to pursue that. But uh, if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and do some hard work, there's some great opportunities out there. You know, there's lots more flexibility in how you can fund a, a commercial real estate project when you compare it to a duplex or a smaller residential project. 
right. um, I just say, you know, go, for go it, out right? there and go for it. That's Brian, right. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. And I like the apartment uh, industry. That's where I started, and it's a great, great business. Stay tuned. We'll have more on multifamily industry. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us on one of the 40 radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, or the show website, CREshow.com. Well, today we're talking about the multifamily industry. Please welcome my next guest. It's Joe Wilbur. He's Senior Vice President with Gables Residential. Joe, thanks for joining us here in Studio One. Michael, thanks for having me. We appreciate it. And I think most of our listeners will know about Gables, but tell us a little bit about your projects and, and where you have properties around the country. Sure, we are um, we are active in uh, uh, roughly eight different uh, markets, uh, gateway markets. Um, we are active in uh, the Texas markets that we're active in are Houston, Dallas, Austin. We're active in South Florida, West Palm Beach, uh, Boca, the Greater Miami area, uh, Atlanta, of course. Um, we're active in D.C. We have a, a presence in D.C. And now we're we're excited to be entering two new markets. We're uh, um, about to open our first project in Boston. It'll open this summer. Uh, we hope to have a second one following behind it next year. And then we're, um, we're excited to be uh, entering the, the Denver market where we will have, uh, where we have two projects under, under development. Great, so you guys are in full development mode right now, aren't you? Well, we are, we are. We, we currently have about 14,000 units that are stabilized in those markets that I just talked about. Mm-hmm. We have another 1,500 more or less that are in some stage of construction or lease up, and then maybe another thousand or so in the in the planning stages yeah that's great and as you just heard stephanie said the uh, multi-family market for performance and rental rate growth and occupancy growth is just fantastic the outlook is good what about from an owner's perspective you guys are right there on the ground level especially leasing up these new projects what do you guys see for performance well i i agree with uh what stephanie said you know things are are very good you Mm -hmm. know we have you know, if you look at um, markets like Denver or San Francisco or San Jose, they, they've had rent growth close to 9% uh, in the past 12 months. Or Atlanta, um, you know, Portland, um, some of Miami, rent growth in the 6 to 7%. Um, you know, really, the only outlier uh, might be um, Washington, D.C., where uh, it has been flat. Uh, rent growth has been flat for the last year, and expectations are that it will be flat for the coming year. And but is that because of new supply there, or is that just I, the market? I think it's a combination of um, a lot of new supply, but but you could say that about most markets. You know, most yeah. markets have a lot of new supply. Yeah. Washington probably has more uh, than most markets, but also, you know, job growth there has been a little bit anemic uh, compared to the other markets. You know, the federal government is not expanding. Mm-hmm. And so I think the combination of new supply and um, tepid job growth have, have affected that market. Well, we wish our friends well in, in D.C., but I'm kind of glad that the, the government isn't expanding. <laughs> we need agree to get, with you there. Yeah, we got to get spending under control, right? Well, what do you expect for 2015 moving forward? Uh, you expect uh, this the good times to roll? We do. We do. Yeah. You know, the, the only market that we're a little cautious about is Houston, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the BLS just 
published their job growth uh, projections for Houston, mm -hmm. and it, for 2014, it, it decreased from 120,000 jobs, which was their preliminary estimate, to 100,000 jobs. Well, 100,000 jobs is a tremendous uh, a number of, of jobs. So, uh, you know, Houston, we're a little cautious about, um, but we expect all of our other markets to do well. Uh, we're, we're projecting rent growth in, in Atlanta um, close to 6% again. Mm -hmm. We think the South Florida markets will do well. I personally think D.C. will strengthen. Um, I think um, you know most of the projections there are that it'll be flat again. I think it could be flat uh, to slightly positive um, because I think um, the, the job situation there is improving. And what uh, markets around the country are you guys most uh – excited about new projects now if somebody had some some great sites for for new apartment development well we've got some exciting things going on in uh, south florida mm -hmm. uh, we, we are in uh, active in uh, coral gables mm -hmm. we're planning a, an 18-story tower there that uh, is right in the financial district we're we're very excited about that um, we have a, a two projects underway in atlanta that we're excited about uh, a third one in the planning stages. Um, we are, as I said, we're uh, entering Boston, which we're excited about. We're entering Denver, which I think had 9% rent growth last year. Uh, we're, we're excited about that. Um, and excited about, you know, some of the, the mixed-use things that we're doing that are a uh, combination of, you know, vertically integrated projects that have retail uh, and residential uh, together. Quickly before the break, on your exit polls of tenants, uh, what percentage of them are, are buying condos or homes when they leave? That is the number one reason for moving out is home purchase. And um, I, think it's, I think it's 50 to 60 percent um, of our uh, residents leave to buy uh, uh, either a home or a condo. And is that uh, historically high or low? That, that is held steady. You know, in, 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 in 2004, five, or six, it was probably higher than that because everybody was buying a condo. Right. But yeah. that's pretty much traditionally the level. Yeah. Well, that was when you could do a pass the breath test, right? If you could fog right. the mirror, you were approved. You, you were, that's right. <laughs> well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the multifamily market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. We have some great shows coming up for you, including a show on LinkedIn, a show on lease versus purchase analysis, and some other great shows, including a show on the office market. Be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at CREshow.com. Today we're talking about the multifamily market. My guest is Joe Wilbury, Senior Vice President with Gables Residential. And Joe, we were talking about kind of the market trends and the, the demand in the earlier segment, and I'd like to get your idea and thoughts on urban versus suburban it seems like everyone wants to build our urban communities you know our demand for our in-town land deals is just skyrocketed what do you see from the ground level oh, clearly michael you are right on target um, i say a large percentage of the new supply is coming in urban locations all across the country and i'll use atlanta as an example but this is true everywhere 
um, if, if the eight to 10,000 new units that are uh, gonna be delivered in the next year, the vast majority of them are in town locations such as Buckhead or Midtown, even moving into downtown, uh, an area, the old Fourth Ward area. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing this clearly everywhere. And it's a function, it's a function really of, of where the demand is. That's mm -hmm. where the demand is. People want to, uh, to be in uh, walkable locations where they are close to entertainment, employment, um, and um, can walk to parks or good schools. So that is clearly where the, the new supply is coming. The real question is how deep is that market? Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, the, the rents in the, to support this new development are much higher for urban versus suburban. To make a, an urban project work, since you're building on higher priced land, you're building at higher densities, you're building mid-rise, you're building high-rise, you're building out of concrete. So your development costs are higher, so, that, so you need rents that are 30 or 40 percent higher than for what rents per square foot are you typically needing to, to, to build a to make a high-rise work in most markets you really need rents in the two dollars and forty two dollars and fifty cent range so a thousand square foot apartment that's twenty five hundred dollars a month mm -hmm. um, so that's why you're seeing more and more smaller apartments being built as well um, so the question in my mind, and I think a lot of us, the question is in our minds is how deep is the demand for um, high price that can support that, that price level? Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the volume of new apartments coming online, I don't think anybody, as, as Stephanie said earlier, you know, we're at sort of nat norms, you know, del deliveries are at norms. The difference is it used to be they were spread out over the entire metropolitan areas mm -hmm. now they're concentrated in in, in urban areas mm -hmm. but i think uh, you know as i said that's where the demand is that's where people want to live so that's sort of driving the trend for us at least of trying to build some smaller apartments mm -hmm. so that uh, people somebody that wants to live in an in-town urban location but can't afford uh, 2500 dollars a month in rent uh, can can rent a we're, we're experimenting with some uh, micro units that are as small as 450 square feet um, to see, you know, you, you can get in that apartment for $1,200 a month. Uh, and then, uh, which allows people uh, at lower income levels to to, to be in uh, inter in urban locations. I think that's how much square footage I get left at my house to use. <laughs> <After> my <laughs> yeah. children and wife had the rest of it. You, you get that much. <laughs> maybe I it's bet 100 you, square maybe feet. Maybe I bet you pay a lot more, too. <laughs> that's right. I pay a high yeah. percentage. And I guess another thing to think about for apartment owners is the cost of, of turnover, right? When an apartment turns over, there's obviously costs involved with the vacancy and turn key and, and leasing expense so I guess with the urban communities uh, there's an advantage there as well right well th that is yet to be proven out but I mm -hmm. think the answer is going to be yes mm -hmm. um, I think people will stay longer mm -hmm. um, in the urban locations you know I think traditionally apartments have been looked at as a sort of a transitional place to live when you're transitioning from one stage of life to another such as graduating from college and getting your first job or or selling your house and downsizing you are transitioning mm -hmm. but i think that perception has is changing and that uh, apartments are now considered more of a permanent uh place to live mm -hmm. and people are putting more money into their apartments taking more time fixing them up um, mm -hmm. and i think they'll stay longer mm -hmm. um, and also there's you know if you're living in an urban location you can't just 
find a, a, a single-family home in that same location at an affordable price. You know, yeah. single-family homes in, in these desirable urban locations are, are very expensive. So yeah. I, think, I think that there will be less turnover, that yeah. people will stay longer for, for those reasons. I think it, we have yet to, to see it in our portfolio on a, on a measurable basis, but mm-hmm. um, I do expect that to be the case. Yeah, long, and when you get used to living, for, for example, in, in midtown Atlanta, you may not want to live in the suburbs where you can afford a house. And this, the story about folks kind of becoming more of their home, that, that, that it's more of a home, maybe it's not a, a just transition anymore. How is that impacting the design of these apartment communities as far as amenities and floor plans? Well, you, you know, they're all built, all the new urban product now is built to a very high uh, standard, high level of finishes. It's expected to have, you know, a club quality fitness center, club rooms, business offices, you know, media rooms, um, concierge service, um, valet in many cases, um, trash pickup. So that is, um, that is expected now. I think, you know, to me, I think sort of the next, uh, you know, wave of, of, um, of innovation will be what we're hearing now is the, the super high-speed internet. Mm-hmm. You know, the AT&T has announced it mm-hmm. in certain cities. Comcast has announced it in certain cities. And I think um, these one gigabyte, two gigabyte speeds uh, are going to be um, what, what the next generation of renters is going to be looking for in their apartments, which means we're going to have to wire those apartments to be able to handle you know that type of um, infrastructure yeah that's a good point yeah my son just required in our house that we get faster internet so dad we're just not up to speed well stay tuned we'll have more on the multifamily market i'm michael bull this is the commercial real estate show we'll be right back Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the multifamily market. My guest is Joe Wilbury, Senior VP with Gables Residential. And, and Joe, one of the things that I think developers and investors and, and tenants as well are interested in is apartment communities and mixed-use developments, right? So you can walk to the restaurants. Maybe maybe walk to work is fantastic. What are some aspects of, of these projects that you guys are doing and these mixed-use developments that, that's good or bad? Well, they are, a, they are a strange animal. They are um, very different from a standalone apartment project. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of them scattered around the country. And the, sort of the lessons that we've learned is that you can take a good retail location a, a, that where retail will work standalone and put residential with it, and the residential will work. You cannot do the opposite. You cannot take a good residential um, location and stick retail in it and expect that to work. That just the retail retail is a different animal. It it either works or it doesn't. Whereas you can sort of make the uh, residential work. Well, I'm hoping that zoning people and planning people are listening to that because I think sometimes they they want to see retail you know involved in where it, where it shouldn't be. Yeah, and and you can see a lot of that sitting vacant uh, around the country. Yeah. Uh, but if you do have a good location. Then the, then the trick is putting it all together and making it work. There's a lot of a lot of issues that people don't uh, don't contemplate. 
you know, parking is, is a huge issue and making sure you have enough of it, making sure it's segregated, you know, um, making sure you have adequate ingress and egress, keeping the, the retail parking separate from the residential is a huge issue. It sounds sort of small, but it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a must. You know, you have issues with noise, transmission, you have issues with trash. You know, when you have restaurants, you, they have trash that goes out every day and that trash is often wet and it's often food products and it doesn't do well sitting in a, in a dumpster. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, multifamily, you could pick up the trash, you know, twice a week and you're good. So you have issues there, issues with security um, um, that have to be uh, dealt with. Uh, and as I said, noise, you know, you have restaurants that are, that are open late at night, you have bars, but, um, but they're exciting. You know, they're fun places, they're exciting. Residents do want to live there. They, as you said, you can walk to shops, you can walk to restaurants that are there. Um, there's, there's people around, you know, so they're, they're very, very desirable places to be. They are, they're hard to manage because you have, you have to manage the retail um, tenants and their expectations. You have to manage the, 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 uh, rental, fam- the rental, their expectations. So it's a, it's a balancing act um, to, to make those, those things work. So if we, uh, one of our listeners brought you a great project where you could build a standalone apartment community, they brought you another project where you could build in a mixed-use development, and you like the mixed-use development, uh, are you equally interested in them, or, or would you prefer to, to stand alone? If, 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 the, if, the, if the returns were the same on both, yeah. I would take the standalone uh, any day, just because it's, it's a, an easier way to make money. Less complex. Less complex. Yeah. But but there are many situations where you have to do mixed use, and there are many situations where you should do mixed use. Yeah. You know where it where it does make sense. Right. Um, so um, we don't shy away from them, mm-hmm. but our preference would be fewer of them rather than more. Right. And the land cost alone, and the and the density, the advantages of the density. You know, I think in you know if I moved out of my house and, and was going to rent an apartment, I think I'd want to look real real strongly at going into mixed use development because of the benefits as a resident to walk to go eat or walk to shop. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, they're they're um, they're fun to do. Um, they're hard to manage. Their retail is generally harder to lease up than you would expect. Um, you know, retailers are finicky, and uh, it can take easily take a year to negotiate a lease with a with some retail retailers. Um, whereas with the residential, it can happen in 30 minutes online sometimes. Right. Um, so it's uh, it's just a different a different animal. Well, Joe, thanks for joining us today here in Studio One. We appreciate you being with us. Michael, thanks for having me. And if you're listening out there in the 40 stations, please join us next week. We'll talk about the office market. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. FIU, Florida International University. Earn your master's in real estate in as little as 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. 
commercial search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit commercialsearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.